Hi, this is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast. War Eagle. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 675. listening to the AU Wishbone, almost credible sports discussion on the White Rocket Entertainment Network. Bye-bye, Bo! Welcome to the AU Wishbone, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment and by people like you, the Auburn family, the AU Wishbone family, our Patreon.com, Fantasy Formula One, World Cup, College Pick'em, Basketball, everything family, our great, great AU Wishbone, Patreon.com family. I'm Van Allen Plexico. I've got a little bit of my voice back. I'm, a, I'm out there running around. I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm running around. You know he's not a hundred percent. No, um, no, you know, not a hundred percent. But not quite. He's out there moving around, and it's still kind of day to day at this point. Day-to-day. But the encouraging thing for me, he was out there moving around. It is encouraging. Yes, and and what's really encouraging for you, the listeners, is that I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer, the always patient. John Ringer, <laughs> <laughs> never knows how long the intro is going to go. John Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Here we go. That's this is true. That I'm not even going to hit the button, but it is true. Um, that may be the first time I've actually used a sound clip before I introduced you or or, or cued you to introduce yourself. So, wow. Well, I was just saying I, I've had a uh, um, Auburnitis, some kind of something from the crowd there when we were down there, and I'm just now kind of getting over it. So it's not very pleasant, but uh, but here we are. It is Iron Bowl week. It is post-Western Kentucky. Funny, the, the, the one game that we thought we had a decent shot at and we, uh, you know, weeks and weeks ago, and it ended up that we did, uh, and now we're getting ready for Alabama, and there's actually people saying, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, we, if, if Auburn did beat Alabama. And I'm like, man, how the – I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but how the perceptions have turned. All right, so, John, what were your thoughts about the win over Western Kentucky? Again, a better team than AM, and we'll talk about that. But the big thing was. <laughs> Which is was so funny. <laughs> Western Kentucky is such a better team than Texas AM. <laughs> the competition really stepped up the last couple of weeks. And, but I, I think the big thing is this team got better in the second half, and they, they showed us something in the second half. And, and you know, the, the, the biggest thing to me was just. You know, the crowd came out again and supported the seniors on senior day, and they put in a good performance. Yes, yeah. And not only that, they made adjustments. They were a better team in the second half on both sides of the ball, Auburn was. Yes. That's – I can't remember other than maybe, you know, last week. I can't remember – and maybe Mississippi State, you know. It is a dramatic difference in the second half since Cardell took over. Holy cow. I, yeah, it is staggering. Okay, well, all right, so obviously we have a good bit to talk about the Western Kentucky game, and we're going to talk about the Iron Bowl, too, of course. We'll get all of that in just a minute, but we've got to do a coaching search update. So, um, 
You know, my my upfront thought is that we didn't really know John Cohen from Adam, as my grandmother would say, when this all started. But, um, oh, I just remembered the thing I was going to tell you before we even started. I'm going to tell you in just a minute anyway, because the listeners might want to hear this. Uh, but let me finish that thought. So I didn't know him at all. But every time I've been reading either about him and how he's handling the coaching search or about the fact that there are no leaks this time compared to the Titanic that we were riding on when we hired Harson, right? I mean, every literally every two or three minutes, somebody was texting me, oh, now it's this guy. Oh, wait, no, he's saying no. Oh, now they're looking at this guy. And I'm like, how do they know this? And, and, and compare that to now. We know, all we know is Kiffin's the number one choice, maybe, and that's all we know. That's literally all we know for sure from the Auburn side. There are no leaks. This thing is tight as a drum, whatever that means. And so... That and the fact that he seems to be, I was reading he has like a 45-question list, and one of them is, are you left-handed or right-handed, which is interesting um, to do with how he coaches and stuff. It just seems like this guy really has his stuff together and knows what he's doing, and it makes me more confident in the process this time. Yes. I mean, sometimes good process, bad result, but I would always take good process to deliver good result when you're doing this. I mean, yeah. It seems like good process. They've got their ducks in a row. You're right. The thing is batting down, uh, and there aren't a gazillion leaks. Tonight on the Internet van, there's a rumor you know, that it is Lane Kiffin, okay? Hmm. A, a news reporter... As opposed to in, the rumor from the last month that well, it's Lane Kiffin? A news reporter from Mississippi who is the same person who broke the John Cohen to Auburn news before the public knew has said Kiffin's coming to Auburn. Now, Kiffin himself retweeted this guy a few minutes ago and He's said, so good. this is news to me, <laughs> you know, and, and made fun of it. But... I mean, the rumor all day, they kind of been building steam, is Kiffin maybe on, you know even announced before the Iron Bowl potentially. Right, I did hear that because they play Friday, they play Thursday night. Yeah. Um, and here's the other thing: you heard the story that Ole Miss offered Kiffin an extension. Mm-hmm. He has not signed it. They mm-hmm. would because they would make a big deal about that if he did. Oh he yeah. He would say, "I'm staying." They've signed. Now we've all been here. And you know, with the Auburn coach being the pursued, yeah, the Gus Arkansas scenario and all that, right? Oh yeah, we know the agents are playing all of us. Yes, okay, they're playing us and Ole Miss and everybody else. That's just part of it. You just have to take that in stride. That's right. So this may the this may be a big we're Arkansas and they're Auburn and he's Gus scenario from 2017. He's just going to get a big fat raise and we're going to get somebody else. Sure. I'll say this. When he said that's news to me, though, it could be that he's doing like Sonny Smith did with the Virginia Commonwealth job, where maybe he told his agent, you go and talk to the Auburn people, and here's kind of what I want, and here's you know what I, de- what I need. And, um, and so maybe Auburn met those demands, and nobody has told Kiffin that yet. So it is news to him because only the agent knows. Well, and here's the, here's the other quote he made from today at a press conference. He said he was asked about outside distractions and impacting his players, and he said those outside distractions they don't. Uh, our players know how we operate. It's a pro mindset. I'm extremely happy here. I feel we have really good support. I could give you a pine box speech. I don't know what to say. 
that's all you would have to do to make it a guaranteed. <laughs> if 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 Lane Kiffin said I'm leaving Oxford in a pine box, I would reply. My cold dead hands. Lock of the week. And I would then see him riding. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't I? Wouldn't put it past Kiffin, Kiffin to ride out of Oxford in a pine box in the back of a truck on his way down to the interstate to go to Auburn. That's so funny. But uh, yeah. Oh, did uh, that reminds me? Did you see the uh, the latest um, SEC shorts? The very end. The very. I won't spoil the whole thing, but I'm going to spoil the very end. The very end is the Ole Miss guy is in therapy or whatever, and he's like, "Do y'all have to do this in front of me?" And it's Auburn giving <laughs> Kiffin a giant Not sack of money. money and explaining where the different rooms are in the football complex. <laughs> that was so good. And the guy, the old Miss guy is like, ah. <laughs> I tell you, I didn't particularly take any joy out of the suffering of old Miss fans when we got Tuberville. But if we do end up with Kiffin, I don't guess we really had Twitter back then like we do now. But, no. but. I'm going to enjoy – I'm just going to be honest and say I'm going to enjoy their suffering and misery because they've talked down to us for so long now lately that if we don't get Kiffin, I want us to get somebody else that will make them shut up and go, dang, man, because I'm tired of being told that we're like a you know mid-major program or something. It's just it's yeah. crap and it's annoying. I don't listen to that stuff. We're, I think, again, go back to the process thing. I think they're, we're, they're doing it right, and I think yes. we're going to get – a good candidate, and we're going to be fine. Yeah, I, yeah. Whoever it ends up being, but uh. <laughs> and I, I do believe a week from today, when we are doing this podcast, we will know the name of the new coach. Yeah, I think we will. I think, um, well, I think this: if it's Lane Kiffin, we'll definitely know it. If they end up having to go to option B or C or whatever, we probably will know it, but we may not. I think it, even if it's option B or C, we'll know it. Wow, I think I. I think we're going to know on Monday next week. So they've got the ducks lined up in a row to the point that they can just go. And how are you leaning right now? You leaning toward Kiffin, or are you leaning toward we end up with uh, Plan B or Plan C? Knowing that Plan D is probably Hugh Freeze. Yeah, that's a no. Um, that's I'm, that's just what probably what it is. Hugh plan. Freeze, who lost to UConn and two and eight Virginia Tech in the last two games. That that's Hugh Freeze. That same um, one, yeah, as opposed so, to, to Lane Kiffin that almost got blown out by Arkansas. Yeah, same one. We'll talk about that game later. I'm happy to talk about that game. <laughs> um, I, I, given the right now, I mean, again, I would say I don't love everything about Kiffin, but he would be my favorite right now just because mm. the proven SEC track record and the recruiting and the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff. Yes, that's it. I mean, he, you know, is he kind of flaky? Sure. Might we like not renew his contract after eight years or whatever? Possibly. Yes. But, but what he would do is give us instant credibility. He would restore the credibility we lost after Gus left. He would restore us back to like our two thir- 2013 level of, of respectability, I think. And I think we would be offensively competent next year. Yes. Uh, and, and attract some good players, keep some good players on the offensive side of the ball. And I think we would. Score points, and I think he would get under the skin of Alabama in a way that you cannot imagine. It would be worth it just to see. I've mentioned the old Miss fans suffering. They're they they would be suffering. You know, in the all right. See how I can put this into words. Okay, putting things into words is kind of what I do, but sometimes I struggle with it. <laughs> um, when I think about the old Miss fans suffering, it's a uh, 
dang it, we can't ever have nice things kind of suffering. It's a suffering born on the back of long experience. Okay? So you know that they're sad, but you know that deep down inside they understand and they'll deal with it and they'll go on and get the next guy that's going to be taken away from them. Right? Okay. If, if it works out. To see the Alabama fan suffering is a completely different variety, different species of suffering because they just don't want us to have anything nice, right? And I understand that. I can, John, you know, I've said a million times, the Alabama fans that try to be halfway decent with us, that's fine. But the Alabama fans that I really respect in a weird, twisted kind of a way are the ones that have no pretense and just hate us. Because then I can just hate them back with no guilt, right? You just hate me with every fiber of your being. That's fine. And I'll return the favor back to you. And we'll just hate each other to the point that if that it would go to the end of the universe, to the heat death of reality, and there would be nothing left but a blank void and the hate that we feel for each other. That's how much I hate Alabama, right? And, I, and that's how much they hate us. And that's I can, I can hang my hat on that. That's something I can depend on. And so they don't want us to have anything good. And if we get Kiffin, there's a big segment of the— Or another big-time great coach. Yeah, but especially Kiffin, that's their guy. That's who they're, like, thinking they're going to get when Saban finally—when they, when he finally doesn't rise from the dead another year, and they don't, you know. And so it would, it would hurt them that we got him, and it would hurt them that we got him and he did them, and he, we got him and they didn't. And that's a really good feeling. And that we fair. haven't really experienced that probably since Pat died. Right, because they didn't know they wanted Pat Dye until we got Pat Dye, and after a couple of years, the Alabama fans are like, "Dang, man, we should have gotten Pat Dye. He should be in Alabama. He should be the Alabama coach." That's who they wanted, not Ray Perkins. They wanted Pat Dye, but we got him first, and they suffered for a decade because of it, at Three. least. And so they don't want that again. They don't want to replay replay the the '80s again. And I'm not saying Lane Kiffin is Pat Dye, but he would play that same kind of role for them in their psyche. So there you go. And I'm here for it. Amen. Yeah. So, all right, what do you want to do? You want to look at the West Kentucky game up close? Up close and personal? The, the ABC way? All right, so uh, senior senior day, what do you think? Who, who, we, who do we really lose that we're like, man, I mean. Well, again, Dare Call. For sure. Colby, Colby Wooden. Yep, yep, yep. Um, Shedder Jackson. Oh, Schenker, yeah. God, Shed's lot, been. A lot of the offensive linemen. <laughs> You remember Shed's video that he made when he was first coming to Auburn? I'm pretty sure he made it on a VHS uh, on a VHS recorder. <laughs> That's how long he's been at Auburn? It might have been super. It might have been Super Eight, John. I'm not gonna lie. It might have been on Super Eight. That's how long he's been at Auburn. I think Super Eight. Um, it a lot. I mean, a lot of the offensive linemen, some other defensive linemen, uh, yeah. Papo. So Anders, some good players. Yeah. Um, I was trying to look for the official list of who well, the yeah, seniors that's, were that were recognized. Uh, Shanker? Yeah. Marcus, again, some of the transfers like Marcus Bragg. Uh, but again, I think, okay. Um, what about I, Papo? I did, Dar- did you say Papo? Pa- I said Papo. Pap- I mean, again, on defense, Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, Papo, Marcus Bragg. Are, are, you know, yeah. But Derek Hall, Colby Wooden, and Papo are going to be missed. Right, I mean, those are big-time well, guys. We've had so much turnover the last 12, 15 months that it's hard to remember who's left that had been there that long. You know, these the ones that have been there for four years feel like they've been there 40 years. That's the thing because of the portal and all. And then a lot of the offensive linemen, 
right? Had been there a long uh, time. Oh, yeah, the whole offensive line for sure. So, and I'd, so I, again, there's a lot of players we can miss. And then, again, no, you know, Hank's a junior. Nobody expects him to come back. No, no. Yeah, so he's it's, he's not it's not he's not a senior, but he's he's not going to be back. I don't think so. No, no I mean no. it'd be nice, but yeah. I don't think you can ask and, for that. Uh, e- Echo Iota's hurt. He's not. He's done. He's not coming back. He's mm, going to the NFL. So, so, <clears throat> so we got a lot of spots to fill. Got a lot of we holes do. to plug in. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, we're going to look at this class. They uh, they did get 2019. They did get to beat Alabama in that epic game. So if they were there for four years, they got to experience that at least. And um, but they also experienced the COVID year, the the second half of last year, all the Harson mess. But now they're kind of going out on a good note with Cadillac. So they really have, you know, we talk about the old Auburn roller coaster, but but they um, they they rode the Auburn roller coaster from start to finish in just four years. They did. And not always in a good way either. I mean, again, the, there were some tough times in there. For the, I think more than a lot of classes, four-year classes that have come through Auburn, this senior class has seen a lot. Yeah, it is true. Wow. Um, sorry. You so mentioned, you mentioned yeah. the adjustments, and so yes. what I want, what I want to talk yes. about was one of the things that happened at halftime in terms of that wasn't adjustments, adjustments, but it was an adjustment in attitude and how we were going to play is that the coaches were going to say some stuff, and then the seniors were like, nah, kind of, we got this. <laughs> and Derek Hall and them stood up and said some stuff, and, Card- and Cardell was like, okay, I'm just going to get out of the way here. Mm-hmm. And he let them talk to the team, and that prompted the way we played in the second half. They were like, we know the game plan is good. we got to keep running the ball. we got to tackle better on defense, Ma- you know, make plays on defense. We'll be fine. And they went out and did it. And it really was a – Players taking accountability and going out and make stuff happen. And again, against Western Kentucky, you know, and again, you saw it on Saturday. A lot of other SEC teams, their fans didn't care. The teams didn't care. It was blah, blah, blah. And those players cared and they went out and made a difference. I, I'm just trying to imagine such a thing happening under the previous regime. It just never would have. They were just. They wouldn't have let the, wouldn't have let the players no, talk to the team. Probably. No, it just. There was no fire. Everything was just business. No passion. No emotion. Just checking things off a list, you know. And I'm ready for Derek Hall to be an assistant coach now. <laughs> ready to him to get in there and like fire him up for the game every week. That would be great. Um, yeah, we really. I you know you had a note here, Jarquez. Um, I've been saying for the last several weeks that you know Tank has his moments for sure, and he did again this week. But on a play-by-play basis, Jarquez seems to be actually getting more yards per carry, more uh, more explosive plays, getting through the line better. You're exactly right. And I went and looked uh, before we started tonight. But coming into this game, uh, or coming into the time when Carnell took over as, as acting head coach, interim head coach, uh, Jarquez Hunter only had one game where he touched the ball more than 10 times, and that was Ole Miss. Yeah. But – it, since Carnell took over, again, it's Mississippi State. He had uh, Jarquez Hunter had 12 carries for 54 yards, but then against A&M, 13 carries for 121 yards, and in this game, 13 carries for 109 yards. Hmm. So, again, last week, 9.3 yards per carry. This week, 8.4 yards a carry. Dang. Um, he's you. getting more work, and he's being even more explosive. You're right. He's really coming on. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't see it coming because last year 
you know, he was explosive against uh, the little teams, but then in the heart of the SEC season, he, he looked like Tank looked this year. You know, they're giving the ball behind the line of scrimmage, and he'd take two steps and get tackled for a loss. Whereas this year, he's the one kind of hitting the hole fast and hard and making pro- positive yards every time. And, I mean, he's getting upfield like five, six, seven, eight yards a clip, it seems like, and not just two or three, you know, into the pile. And he bounces outside and, and yes. makes everybody look bad. He yes. constantly is doing that. So, yeah. Well, yeah, both of them th- – this is the thing that drove me crazy, that for so much of the season – they treated our running backs like they thought they were Rudy Johnson. Just send them into the pile for four or five yards, dragging the chains, you know, every play. And none of our running backs so far are that. These guys are, they're not exactly scat backs, but they operate better in space. I've said this over and over and over for weeks, probably back in the last season. You have to give them room to operate. And um, the th- I tell you right now, the th- and, and the, well, all right. The thing that Michigan did to beat Illinois, along with getting a lot of bad calls, the, did you see the thing that Michigan did? They ran up the middle twice and got stuffed by Illinois, and every time on third down in the fourth quarter, they would have a running back flare out in the flat, and they just hit him with a little, hit him with a little pass out in the flat, and they'd go out and make 8, 5, 10, 15 yards yeah. every time. And I'm like, that our running backs could do that so well, except – that Robbie Ashford can't get the ball to them. That's the weakness in that equation in our team. Yes. yes. They would both excel in that role. But You're they correct. Can't, they can't get the ball. It goes over their heads or into their feet or something. Yeah. 100 miles an hour. <sighs> and, but I, in related to that point, though, is that in the second half of this game, we didn't say, like, oh, we're playing this passing team and they're dangerous and we got to keep up and we got to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. They said, nah. We don't need to throw the ball. Line up and do what we do and give it to our two main guys and we'll be fine. And run the clock. Keep the possession. Keep them off the field, which worked pretty well for a long time. They they were able to make the best of a couple of opportunities and come back and tie us right before halftime. But in the second half, the game plan worked perfect. But also, not even that, just like we're not good at throwing the football, so we're not going to bother to try to do it. And, yeah, and we're going to play to our strength. I, I And I get that. But I think back to like the LSU game where Robbie would roll out like he's going to run and the safeties roll over and come up and then he can hit somebody for a long play. I wish we would at least try that once a game maybe. Maybe we'll pl- try it against Alabama. I don't know. But might, we may have to. I, I don't think we're going to be able to do student body right, student body left on Alabama. And we'll, I mean, We'll get to that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're going to be able to do that. And, and that's, not the, that's not what Carnell's offense was. I mean, let's not act like – He's taking us back to what he used to do. There was yeah. one play where he took us back to what he used to do. That was that was my favorite part of the whole game. Oh the yeah, back pass, and it worked. How many times do you see teams running a play like that, and the running back ends up having to pull it down and kind of what? go out of bounds? Didn't we see that earlier in the season with us, with Auburn against Penn State? Didn't we blow that with the wide receiver throwing the ball or something? Something I don't remember, but it was bad. But, yeah. Um, the funny thing he is, it, and it threw an interception. Yeah, the, oh yeah, that's right. The funny thing was that uh, Jarquez threw a threw a better pass than Cadillac did back in 04 against Georgia, because um, uh, Anthony Mix had to like stop and come back and get it and then take it in the end zone, whereas it was just right to whichever receiver caught it this time. I forgot who, who then almost blew it at the end. Yeah, he almost blew it. I don't think he knew a guy was about to hit him, and so he didn't t- tuck it away, you know, and 
I, well, I, and I, that was controversial. I could have seen them waving that touchdown off, honestly. Again, there was an official in the replays. He's, you can't see him, but he's right in front of the receiver, yeah. and the receiver catches the ball, and the, the official blows his whistle and signals touchdown. And so at that moment, the the rep, the receiver, the Auburn receiver that caught the ball is like, well, at that time, the guy's coming knocking out of his hands, but he's like, I, he was getting ready to, you know, toss it away or something. Yeah, he wasn't worried about it. In the slow motion of it, it was questionable to me. But then when they showed it at regular speed, oddly enough, it seemed like he held it longer. And it's one of those things where you see it slow motion, he's holding it longer, but it doesn't seem like it. And then in regular speed, you're like, oh, he's got it. Yeah, he's got control of it. Sure. So. Um, what about what? What are we doing with the defense? Again, we, scheme wise, we haven't changed a ton. We're we're playing more guys. We're being yeah. more aggressive and a little less. Brendan, you know, Ben, don't break. And especially in the last two weeks, we're I think we're covering better and tackling better. The ironic thing is, you know, this team was kind of an air raid derivative offense, and so. Yeah. Playing Mississippi State two weeks ago really prepared us to play this team hmm. in terms of the kind of things they do, to, you know, covering the receivers on the routes and the mesh and that kind of stuff and tackling in space. And so, tackling. by playing Mississippi State a couple weeks ago, we were kind of prepared for this game in a way we might not have been if we had played a different kind of offense. So, That's a good point. Um, and we. I, again, I think the the defensive backs have really come on the second half of the season. Um, you know, Pritchett was not good against Arkansas, but he's come on fine. And DJ James is really good. He has, you know, had an all SEC kind of season, I feel like. Uh they're they're covering well. And then also I think we didn't get a lot of pressure, but we got enough. And again, we it's a lot like last week though. In the first half, the other team had some yards and some drives. And in the second half, we really locked them down, mm. and they got nothing. And I think in the first half of this game, they had like eight plays over ten yards, and in the second half, they had two. Yeah, that's true. So. Um, I was, and I remember I heard some statistic this week, something to the effect of like before Cadillac took over, we were missing like twice as many tackles as we're missing now. Like the number just totally changed. They've yes. been doing tackling drills. They've been emphasizing, you know, making tackles, wrapping up, all that kind of stuff. So, um, exactly right. All right. So, wh- how would you describe this win and the team that we played? It was a. It, I think it's easy to underrate this win because it's you know the week before Alabama and they're not a, a power five team, but that was a good team, a team that's going to go to a bowl game, a team that you know on the on the. SP Plus and other power rankings, again, is ahead of Texas A&M and other SEC teams. And a team that, again, if we hadn't come out and played with energy and enthusiasm, could have beaten this Auburn team easily. It's obvious. Like, they could have thrown the ball over us. Well, I think part of it is this is the traditional late-season cupcake spot. So this is where we would normally play Alabama A&M or, you know, Louisiana Monroe or something. So – it's 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 just not we don't usually have a formidable team that's not an SEC team in this slot. And that's so right. yeah, but they were and we kind of knew that. I give credit to the very knowledgeable Auburn fan base, right? That understood that. We knew this was not a gimme game. We understood that this was a good team and that we were going to have a fight and it wasn't going to be, you know, it wasn't going to be 70 to nothing in the first half. I mean, 
you know, some 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 fan bases would have just made assumptions and never even looked into yes. it. But I think our people understood that, and that's good. Um, John, we could, and this is going to sound weird, but I was reading this, we could still make a bowl game. Now, before you say, well, yeah, you're going to beat Alabama. Well, yeah, if we beat Alabama, we're definitely going to go to a bowl game. There's no doubt about it. If we if we lose to Alabama, we'll be 5-7. and seven, But with, you know, seven understandable losses, seven losses to good teams, okay, and um, I was reading that the only five and seven team with a better whatever rating than us, quality losses, right, whatever, is Rice. Okay, that means out of all the teams with five or fewer wins, we're number two in this formula. And I'll take that. Mm-hmm. I'd rather be number one, but I'll take that. Okay, and I'm not surprised. I think it says a lot about the previous coaching staff that they took the second best team. At this level of quality, and took them down to five wins. Took them down to, to three wins, right? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, there are not enough teams with six wins or more for all the bowls, which is not surprising if you know how many bowls there are. And so they may very well have to have to invite some five and seven teams, and at least one major national prognosticator has Auburn going to like the. I don't. It's not a good bowl. It wouldn't be a good bowl, but you know, like the bottom SEC bowl or something. Not necessarily Birmingham, even like the Shreveport Bowl. You know, the whatever it is. The Pooed Weed Eater. Weed Eater. But yeah, bowl. it might be. We've been in that one before. I'm not too proud. <laughs> hey, Damian Craig fought Army in the Pooed Weed Eater. Damian Craig took on the entire U.S. Army and beat them single handedly. Um, no, I'm not proud. Think about this. This was a team that had three wins and really should have had two and was going nowhere in a hurry. For them to end up in a bowl game? Are you kidding me? And if we had somehow held on to Mississippi State, we'd already be in a bowl game. That's how close. What if they they offer it and Auburn says no? And who says no? Auburn says no. Why would we say no? Uh, I mean, again... The, I'm not saying we would. I'm saying it's possible because we're in a coaching transition, and you know we got to figure out who's is the existing coaching staff. Cadillac and they well, to coach the bowl game, and then the new coach comes on. We got to figure out that stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh well, somebody made the interesting point. They said you want practice, you want that bowl practice. Yeah. But on the other hand, do you want to spend that bowl practice practicing an offense you're about to get rid of? So it does beg the question. Well, you know, you could take over with the new. St- head coaching staff and some of the new coordinators and use that time to start getting a head start in spring practice. But a lot of the players are, are going to be gone. So gone, the right. value of that is, <sighs> yeah, I know what it I'm is, saying. It's kind it's, of a quandary. A, I, I just, if we get invited to a bowl game and Cardell gets and this coaching staff coach him while the other staff's recruiting and man, yeah. you know, managing the future roster. Great. I could see it. And it would probably be I'm, early December too. It's not going to be like a new January 1st or anything. There is precedent. Remember when uh, 2007, when um, Tuberville uh, dismissed Al Borges and brought in, um, what's his name, the spread guy? Franklin, Tony, Tony Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. And they said, oh, you know, well, we're going to run the state. They, they didn't come right out and say it, but they, in, they intimated very strongly that Franklin was just going to use our, our standard, our existing offense and um, – in the bowl game before he tried to install his over the winter or over the, you know, this winter in the spring. And instead, do you remember what happened in that game against Clemson? 
Did we, we ran his offense, right? We came out and we used his offense. That was the one where we switched quarterbacks every play. Steve Spurrier yeah. was like on the sideline going, yes, yes. <laughs> um, like the Jack Nicholson meme, you know, he's just like, yes. Um, but, yeah, we ran the Tony Franklin offense, taught, caught Clemson completely unaware. I don't think they thought that was ever going to happen. They had practiced for our, for our old offense. So, so there is a precedent for doing it. But we were keeping the same head coach. It was just the offensive coordinator. So I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think about. It is a possibility out there, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. I like it. All right. Well, the Iron Bowl. I've heard of it. It's a big game. I'm not sure that. Here's the thing. A month ago, I'd have watched it, but I'd have gone in like going to the executioner, you know. Now, I'm not going in thinking we're going to win. But I'm going in thinking, let's have some fun, fellas. You know what I mean? Let's go out there and have some have some fun one last time. Maybe one last time. Maybe not with this crowd. I'm I'm excited. And Alabama, can't I think stand this it. team is going to play really hard in yes. this game. Yeah. Now, again, we've talked about the not having enough bullets in the gun scenario mm-hmm. before, and that may yep. be us on Saturday. Oh yeah. But we're not going to leave any bullets in the chamber when it's yep. over. I know that they are going to lay it all out there in the field, and the other team may have more in the tank than us but we're gonna make them fight for it yeah you you don't want to save anything for that big uh, belk bowl matchup against maryland or something no we want to we got alabama this is the super bowl for us this year and we're gonna go out there and uh and 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 i did hear like the andy staples guys talking about how the big this guy said I, i forget which one it is it's one of those two guys that's on his his network this guy said the biggest disappointment to me this season is that the Iron Bowl is not in Auburn this year? Because can you imagine? Can you imagine <laughs> Alabama coming into Jordan Hare for Cadillac's last, probably last game, and just, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, that would have been insane. I, I honestly think that we could have willed the team to victory using our, the sheer force of our telepathic powers and our combined mutual dislike for Alabama, just as a tangible force in the universe, we could have done it. But. Um, Right. Alas, no. We have to go to Tuscaloosa, and uh, and so, and, but <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> so we got the Iron Bowl coming up next. So, John, I think we have to talk about the elephant in the stadium. Oh, thank you. There is an elephant thank in the you. stadium. Thank you for that, Van. The eight hundred pound gorilla. No, it's the eight hundred pound elephant in the stadium. I love it. Wow. Um. So, what do we know about this Alabama team? I have to tell you this. I feel like I have seen less of this Alabama team than any Alabama team in recent years. I feel like after the Tennessee game, they just dropped off the earth. I know that they've played football games, but I couldn't I couldn't promise you that they have. If if you were to tell me right now that they just stopped playing football after the Tennessee game, I'd be like, "Huh." <laughs> I wouldn't be like, "No, man." I'd be like, "Huh." Really? Interesting. Well, that would explain it. So what happened? Well, again, this is a two-loss Alabama team before yeah. they ever play us. It's the first time we both had two or more losses since 2007, I think. Oh. At this. Um, wow. So it's fair what you said. Um, again, they yeah, they're worse at Tennessee. Their worst. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you're right. Their worst. Their worst season under Saban, pretty much, was the year we won the national championship, I believe. Yeah, 2010. Yes. And and so they had like two or three losses, but we were undefeated. So 
Yeah, you have to go all the way back to Saban's first year probably. That's crazy. So, again, they've, they've lost the Tennessee game at Tennessee. And, you know, in the like you just described, the scenario where the stadium was absolutely on fire and Tennessee was ready for that game. They lost at night at, at LSU, a mm-hmm. very tough place to play. They barely won at Texas, who's a talented team and is good but isn't great. They're a top 25 team but not anything more than that. Um, but I'm they didn't have to play little... Georgia. They didn't even have to play Georgia. No. Think about that. They didn't that. play Georgia. I, I, they, again, their East teams were Vanderbilt and Tennessee, mm-hmm. and they lost to Tennessee. So no. here's who they've actually beaten. Okay, I'm going to start here. I'm not going to. So A and M barely should have lost A and M. Well, no, their other non-conference games were Utah State, Louisiana Monroe, and Austin <laughs> Peay. Okay, <laughs> they beat Pete. Vanderbilt. Arkansas again, a competitive game. Mm-hmm. Texas A and M twenty four to twenty. Okay, in Tuscaloosa. Come on. The A and M game was twenty four to twenty. Again, they killed Mississippi State, but they owned them. Yeah, and then they they do. they won at Ole Miss, but thirty to twenty four. Yep. Okay. Oh yeah, that was we know how that game ended. Yeah, that was thirty to twenty four. The Auburn game against Ole Miss. 48 to 34. Yeah. Ole Miss won. Yeah. So, huh. Mm. Um, I, you know, AM against Alabama, 24 to 20. Yep. AM against Auburn, 13 to 10. Yeah. No, I, LSU, I know. Same I, thing. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What was the score? They lost to LSU. They lost to LSU 32 31. In overtime. Yeah. In overtime, but LSU beat us twenty-one seventeen. So I'm just going to we say, were, and we should have won that game. We we harsened right. it around. We harsened it up. A lot of higher scoring games on their side. Um, uh-huh. So they're a good Alabama team. Of you know, they're again, they're a, they're not a top five kind of team. Noof. They're a top fifteen kind of team. Their offense and defense are both. Neither one are great, but they're both very good. Right? Mm-hmm. They have two great players on their roster. Uh, the quarterback and Will Anderson, the other outside linebacker, is also very good. But they're really more of a pass rush kind of defense. They had one of those traditional Alabama defenses that has the great defensive tackles. Yeah, you know, and the guys right up front that stuff the run. They're really more of an upfield pass rush team, and they have some good guys in the secondary. Um, the offensive line was a big problem for them last year. Remember that we got a lot of pressure, and other teams did too. And they're still they're better, but they're not great. They're still they give give up some stuff. The biggest difference between this team and the, and the other teams who we've seen recently is they this team does not have those receivers. Okay, no, none of none of the receivers on this team would play a snap on that Alabama team from like two years ago. None. Okay. Um, they're the best guys on this team wouldn't see the field on those teams. So, you know, all those great Alabama receivers are gone. The guys they have are not good. And sometimes what it looks like to me when I watch Alabama is when I watch them play a good team, is it's a little bit like watching like Eli Manning at Ole Miss kind of with the quarterback where the quarterback makes that offense go and he yeah. gets the ball to people but sometimes he has to kind of stand around and look and wait for somebody to get open because they're not open and it really is a struggle for them to get open and Auburn's secondary is good we can have good coverage on these guys remember last year mm-hmm. they had better receivers and they couldn't get open against <laughs> us and we got pass pressure on it I think it could be like that again 
This could be a low-scoring game. It could be. I think they're the guy. Here's an interesting thing. There's two players that lead their teams in rushing and receiving. It's Tank Bigsby and it's Jameer Gibbs, the Alabama running back. In terms of their their the in terms of the most touches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Gibbs gets the ball a lot. He's the transfer from Georgia Tech. He's a good running back, but he's not you know a Heisman candidate running back. Mm-hmm. He's solid, but he's the best second best thing on that offense. But if he's running the ball, I'm fine because then they're not, you know, they're not trying to throw it. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know that our offense. Well, you know what, our offense is marginally better than last year at this time. I, again, let's 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 go back in the way back machine to last year, a year from now. We thought we had no chance in this game, no. zero no. chance in this game. That's right, because we were on the losing streak. Bo Nix was hurt. Yep. You know, we started T.J. Finley. He got banged up in this game. Yep. And but we ran the ball just enough, and the defense played out of its mind, and it came down to the end of the game. We had a chance to win. The biggest thing was we they kind of moved the ball a little bit between the 30s, but they couldn't do any more than that. And that's the thing in the games Alabama's lost this year, they've been forced to kick field goals, and that's what we need to do. We need to keep you know let them move the ball a little bit between the 30s, but don't let them get any further than that. And, f- and when they get closer, force them to kick field goals. And like you said, that'll keep the score down. We can't beat them in a you know no. forty to thirty nine kind of game, but we could beat them in a you know Six, sixteen to thirteen, seventeen, yeah, twenty to, to seventeen, yeah. seventeen fourteen kind of game, or seventeen if, thirteen. Or 14, if we can 13. find a way to manufacture that many points, we can. Yeah. Yes. I, and I think it'll, we'll need like a pick six or something, or a recovered fumble. One hundred percent. Or a special that. teams play or something. Yes. Yes. Something. Yeah. Um. We will. We'll need some stuff to happen. Yeah. But I also think, like, our defense can hold them down. That none of their – I'm going to say this. None of their receivers scare me. Zero. Right. They're, they don't scare me at all, especially compared to the receivers we've seen in other teams this year. I think we can stop them, and I think we can get pressure on him and, and make him make mistakes. Um, and I think we can stop the run against them a little bit better than we have recently. So I think defensively we can hang around – now, Alabama, compared to other teams, is not going to be foolish on defense. They're going to line up and say, okay, Robbie Ashford, go. Because they are not, they're going to bring everybody up and try and stop Tank and Jarquez. So we're going to need to continue doing some good misdirection kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Where we keep them off balance and keep them thinking it's one thing, but you know, keep both running backs on the field, make them think it's one thing, and do something else. No, it sounds like a game plan to me. Um, I... I just wish that we had, I don't know. I mean, they have time to put something in or do something. I just, if we could just, I would just feel a little bit better about things if we had a little more offense that we could count on. But I guess it's just, it's too much to, uh, it's just too much to ask for and we're going to have to do without it. And, uh, and we can, I mean, it's this, it's not an impossible task. It's, it would be extremely difficult. Yes. Um, but it's not entirely impossible, so we'll see. I mean, let's remember Robbie Ashford's from Birmingham. Yes, uh, he get he gets he understands this rivalry. I I I want to see him run the ball some more. I'd like to see Ashford keep the ball and uh, us do some kind of things where we he's faking the handoff and then running it. So it seems like he hasn't done that as much the last week or so. Like they, the the Mississippi State game, it felt like they kind of came out there with that on their mind, and then. They dialed that back a little bit the last two games, so maybe they uh, are going to kind of 
go back to that a little bit this time. I, I, again, I think his I think his strength is you roll him out, you give him like an intermediate target and a deep target because he's better throwing the ball straight downfield than he is to the side. So yes. you give him a, you give him a deal or one of those big tight ends right there off the line about ten yards, five ten yards down. Then you give him one of those good one of those receivers like number zero, whatever, uh, a little further down, and then if the if the safety stay back, he can run or he can hit the tight end. And if they come up and he gets nine men in the box, you chuck it over their heads for the touchdown. I that it worked against LSU. It worked up for two scores at least. That's what I'd like to see, but we'll see. I don't know. I have a feeling I, it's going to really come down to Jarquez and Tank busting a turning the corner on him, going down the yeah. sideline. That's their move. And they don't need to do that ten times. They just need to do it a couple times. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it is there. So, but this is the other part. This is the other thing. I just last thing I want to say about this game. Alabama is disappointed, and <laughs> their their team is disappointed. Yeah. They don't like where they are. They're not <laughs> happy. They view this as like, oh, we're you know the season didn't come out the way we wanted. That's right. And Carnell is going to have this team ready to play, and they're going to go in there with we have. Nothing to lose. Yep. Zero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Alabama's a big they, favorite, and we go in there with nothing to lose. Lay it on the line. There, there's two things I've seen this week that have that have really kind of said it all. One was a cartoon where the Auburn people are all cheering and waving their pom poms and flags and pennants, and the Alabama guy is like, "Stop being happy," you know, because he just you know, and and then the other one that kind of fits into that. Was yesterday, I guess it was, an Alabama player or former Alabama player or something, I don't know, tweeted out he just doesn't understand why Auburn fans are, fans are happy. He kept, he said twice, I just don't understand why those people are happy and celebrating like they won something when they're having a horrible season and they're blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. And you can't understand because your fans only love you when you win. And our fans love Auburn and, and and love to be given a reason to remember that fact. And Cadillac has given us all reason to remember. And they they cannot understand that because they base their entire identity on the Tides winning again, national champion. Like if you ask Alabama anything, their answer is how many national championships they've won, right? Like if you said uh, – did you guys just build a new library? No, we got 27 national championships. Okay, but I'm asking about the library. 27! So they don't, you know. Might be 28. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, so they just, they see the world, they see football, and they see Auburn through the backwards telescope, the prism of how many X, Y, and Z have you won? And the funny thing about that is they loved to compare resumes. For as long as I've been alive, and for I'm sure a lot longer than that, the Alabama fans want to they want to reach down and whip out their resume and say, look how many things we've got we've won. But when you'd say to them, oh, like Heisman trophies, for the longest time they're like, Whoa, whoa, we, we don't want to talk about that. We're talking about national championships here. We're not team, talking about having trophies. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're a team. We're, we're a team organization. We don't worry about individual. All of a sudden, they win a couple of Heismans. Like, hey, look how many Heismans we won. Like, I thought you guys didn't count. Oh, shut up. That's Heismans, you know. So they're just 
They're just as thin as paper. They're as transparent as Casper the Ghost, and they have they they are shallow as a as a shallow pond, and um, they expose themselves if you let them. You don't even have to. They let if you just let them. They expose themselves. So anyway, uh, shall we talk very quickly about the basketball team? Let's do it. So Auburn beat Texas Southern last Friday night before the Western Kentucky game. Uh, it wasn't a great game. Again, uh, another game where different guys stepped up and made plays. Um, uh, uh, Janai Broom didn't play. Uh, that didn't some help. Other guys. No, it did. It made a big difference. And again, I think in the long run, he is going to be a real steadying influence on the offense and in the defense too. Yeah. Game got a little chippy. You know, there was a lot of talking. Again, it's shocking in a game where Katie Johnson goes off. Uh, you know, the other <laughs> team so was a little unhappy and stuff, but there were different guys that stepped up and made plays. And I think it's good. That's how it's going to be with this team. But again, the defense is consistently excellent. Yes. And uh, they, you know, made stuff happen. And now we're heading to Cancun. <laughs> They're down the there now. Holiday challenge. Oh, gosh. Um, and so we play Bradley tomorrow, mm-hmm. Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 Central on the CBS Sports Network. And then <coughs> Wednesday, we'll play either Northwestern or Liberty, uh, and depending on. Well, you know what the what man said give me Liberty or give me Northwestern. I don't really care maybe. which. I'm pretty sure that's what he said, right? Yeah. Maybe that's what he said. Yeah, so in that game will be Wednesday evening. And it. Depending on which whether we win uh, or not, it depends on who we play. So this is crazy. I mean, football season's kind of rolling to an end now. Formula One season ended on Sunday, and yet we got the World Cup four games a day, and we got Auburn basketball two days in a row. We really can't ask for much more than that. It's just a cornucopia of sports fun here in November. And we got Auburn basketball on Sunday, the day after the Iron Bowl. We have a home basketball game against St. Louis. Yeah, SLU. At 2, p- 2 p.m. SLU. Uh, Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah, that's the game we went to over here last year. And those people were not happy that we beat them. But I'm like, oh, well. Um, all right, so about the basketball thing, a couple of things. Bradley, you will recall, that's the team we played in the first round of the NCAA tournament the year we lost, I believe, to Oklahoma. So that would have been 88, I think. Hersey Hawkins. Hersey the Hawk Hawkins. We were up 88-86 in the, with like three seconds to go. They are inbounding the ball. Everybody in the in the arena knows the ball is going to be inbounded to Hersey Hawkins to take a three-pointer and beat us 89-88. And one player said that is not going to happen. Terrence Howard, who later goes on to star in Iron Man 2 and uh, show me the money, Terrence Howard, not the same Terrence Howard, stepped in front of the inbound pass, took it out of the air before Hersey Hawkins ever touched the ball, went the length of the court in three seconds, and jammed it for a 90-86 to win. That was one of the more satisfying wins in Sonny Smith's Auburn tenure. And it was awesome. The, and by the way... In the Omni. In the Omni in Atlanta. And were you there? I... Uh... I think Pat and I were there, yes. I was going to say, I can't remember if the statute of limitations has run out and you can admit you were there now or not. I remember you. No, like we, we, talked did, about, we did leave school early to attend yes. the NCAA tournament game, and I believe it was this one, yes. That, we talked about <laughs> it in the book. 
Yeah, we talked about that in the book. You and I had our conversation that we put into the book, and that was part of it was you and Pat sneaking off to go to that game. And I, I didn't want you to get any any trouble. Now I want to make no, sure. No, this no, no. Again, they, we did the best part of this game. is we were in high school, and we, you know, again, my parents were like, "Yeah, go to the Bradley game." Here's some tickets, you know. And, <laughs> that and, was, and, but but we saw there were some teachers and assistant principal on the Marta go yeah. also going to the games, <laughs> and so we had to hide from them. That's so, so. great. That was a Chris. That was one of. That may have been Chris Morris's next to last game. One of my all-time favorite Auburn players. He's in my top three or four. Um, but yeah, that was so good. And um, that is in our book, Auburn Basketball from Barkley to Bruce. If you hadn't got a copy, it is on Amazon. Go pick it up now. Auburn Basketball from Barkley to Bruce, called by Athletic Director Emeritus um, David Housel said it is the best and most comprehensive book ever written on Auburn basketball. Check that out on Amazon right now and get your copy. It's only like 16, 17 bucks. We, we don't get a lot of profit off of it. We just want to put it out there to the family. Go ahead. And if you have read the book, please yes. go to Amazon and give us a review. Yes. You know, rate it and give us a review because it helps. Yeah. We, we've moved dozens, if not hundreds of copies already, but there's only one five star. There's only one rating and it's four stars. I'm like, man, the one person, dang it. <laughs> not, not that I'm complaining that they, you know, they rated it fairly. That's fine. But it's like the one person that actually took the trouble to go and leave a, leave a star rating on Amazon for it. They gave it four stars. I'm like, come on. Cause, cause, we, cause I know it's a good book. People have read it and told me they love it. And then one person goes and gives it four instead of five. We believe it's got like 19 reviews and they're all five stars. So come on. Come on now, family. Come on. Play the same clip. Come on. Come on, man. So um, if you say it's only a four-star book, we need to... Dispel once and for all with this fiction. Absolutely, Marco. So um, the other thing is uh, Cardwell. Dylan Cardwell. My wife just thinks he's awesome and hilarious. She finds him so entertaining, so she follows him on Instagram or whatever. And um, apparently f- uh, he was first commenting that the eagle was down there. So I think somebody had an eagle at some a- a wildlife show, and he commented, the eagle done followed us down here or something like that. <laughs> and then the other thing was he was outside of their hotel room, and there was, <coughs> there was a monkey. <laughs> and this monkey was just strolling along, and Dylan was like following it filming. And and it just it just it, it never ran away. It just was like strolling along casually, but it never let him get too close, right? But it was just like chilling, walking along, and he's like, "Man, this monkey just chilling." And he was following it and filming. He's like, "I've never seen a live monkey before." It was so funny. So he's always very inter- he's become one of the more entertaining. I mean, see that John. This is one of the things that I'm really going to miss about this bunch of players when the day comes that they've gone off to the NBA or wherever. This bunch of Auburn players has so much personality. They're so lovable, you know. And we we talked about how much we love the 2019 crowd, and they were so good. But this bunch are all just beyond that. This bunch are a bunch of cartoon characters in a good way, you know, just beloved. The other thing I thought a lot about today about the basketball team is this team plays so freaking hard every second they are in the court, partially because they know (laughs) we've got (laughs) 11 or 12 good players, and if you don't play 100%, you're getting pulled out. But also, you can play 100% every moment. You don't have to pace yourself because you're not going to be out there for 30 or 35 minutes. You're going to be out there for 18 or 20 minutes. 
which which is all well and good until somebody gets hurt and then you have Wendell out there playing 40 minutes. You remember the game last year where Wendell had to play almost the entire game and he's like, man, I was about to die because <laughs> they kind of get used to not having to play the whole time. And so when they actually do, because that was interesting. When we were we were putting together the book and I was doing all that research on like the teams back in the 80s, Sonny's first few teams, there were players every game on Sonny's first four, five, six teams that played like 35 minutes. <laughs> they were playing like the whole game and not thinking anything about it. Well, and there's still other teams that do this. So I want you to watch some other teams play college basketball when they're not playing Auburn. Other teams play each other. And there's some guys that play 30, 35 minutes. And you're going to see them. They're not going 100% on every possession of both ends of the court. And then you watch Auburn play. You're going to see players going 100% oh, every yeah. possession. Yeah. I am kind of sorry they're not in the big boy mowers battle for Atlantis because so many great memes came out of that last year. That was such a good tournament. But we are in this Cancun thing, so I guess something fun will come from that. Um, all right. So we got to pause for a second thank our patrons. As we always do, this is some people's favorite part of the show, and that's cool. Just remember, the only ads we do are for our show <laughs> or for our books, right? So go to www.auwishbone.com. If you go to www.auwishbone.com, there's a direct link to get the books, both the football and the basketball book. And there's a big orange button that says become a patron. Click on the big orange button, become a patron, and help us to keep the show going. Help help us out. I got the hiccups. Excuse me. Um, we are... Among the various things, we're going to announce the winner of the Fantasy Formula One League tonight because Formula One season is over and we have our winner. It's not really that surprising, unfortunately. Uh, fortunately for him, but not but not for the rest of us, obviously. Um, we have the we have one week to go in the college pick'em, so we'll see how that's looking. And we have now started our World Cup pick'em contest. So John is kind of in charge of of most of our contests. I've been running the Formula One, but John's kind of in charge of most of our contests, and he's constantly finding these cool things for us to do, and I really appreciate that. I love being able to provide activities that we can all do together with the patrons. It is so cool. So if you want to join the other patrons and be able to participate in all these different pick'ems and fantasy leagues and things that we do, go to www.auwishbone.com, click on the button to become a patron. Here are our current patrons. And remember, one of your many benefits is you get to put whatever you want in the name, and I will read it. They include, uh, where did they go? Oh, uh, oh Samuel Salvatore, Chris and Clinton Stewart, Carl Von Drucker, Dr. Crackham, Sam, uh, Ann Kangian, Bradley Blackman, Daniel Odom, Gary Grant, a.k.a. AU Fan at KSC, Logan Chilton says, Hey, there goes Tankman. Yeah, no kidding. Matthew Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Phil Amthor, Master Sommelier at the same place that Richard Stevens is in the back booth at, which is... Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage! Please clap. You, you saw what I did there, right, John? Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. Steve Trawick, Susan Trawick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden. By the way, Willie had an idea this week, and I appreciated him like coming forward with it, and he sent me a message about it, about doing like a GoFundMe for people to get tickets to the Auburn-Alabama game. I didn't really understand what he had in mind. Maybe I'm just dumb, but I'm certainly willing to like be a megaphone for him. Do you have more information, John? I, you look I, I think they, what they wanted us to do was help – encourage people to donate money so that Auburn fans could get tickets and go to the game if they were Auburn fans willing to go there to be in the game. I, I don't understand how we would decide who is 
right. getting the support or whatever. So I, I think I would just like, say, Willie, I think it was a good idea in theory, but I'm not sure in the amount of time we have, we could have pulled anything off that would have been effective or fair. So that's kind of why I was like, just kind of like, I'm not quite sure I understand, but I, I do think it was a very good hearted idea. I'm just not sure it's practical at this point, but if Willie can, but like I said, if Willie can do something and he needs us to yell about it on Twitter or whatever, you know, we'll do it. So, okay. Um, let's see. Basketball season plus the basketball book, a winning combination since 2022. I like it. Ben Bloodworth, Chris Hilton, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. Chris Thrash, Clay Henson, Dan Thompson, Earl Ricks, Eric Morgan, Bobby, go crazy Cadillac, go crazy. I'm ready to run through a wall for Coach Caddy, aren't we all? I, 76 Tiger Esquire, official sleazy shyster of... Joe's Barbecue Foot Massage! Volunteer to represent Cadillac. I suspect he will... And I guess he said needed or something like that. Um, sometimes you run out of space, uh, folks. Um, I don't know what will happen Saturday, but I do know with the last three games, this team will fight and claw for a victory over... Russia, number one. Iran, number one. Bama, number one. There it is. There it is. Somebody thought to tee it up, and I had no choice but to swing at it. What could I do? Um, even with what little voice I have right now. Jacob and Robin Fleming, John Otsuki, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. I'll go rhythm and blues. Paul Miles, Phil Davis, Reynolds Wolf. Rich Reimer, Sarah Brown, Steve Harlan, Theodore Gary, War Eagle Always, Warhammer 6, WDE Richie, it's Bruce Pearl time. Amen. Wes Atkinson, uh, William Morgan, Wilson Beard. I've run out of things to drink now, so this is going to get really ugly the last half of the show, or the last few minutes of the show, actually. Uh, Wynn Carroll. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when Carol heard Cadillac is taking over the reins and when Carol said good yeah good now we're having fun absolutely Winston Body almost everything school but getting there Auburn Blue Blake Karen your your future World Cup pick'em champion Boris the Tiger Brent, he's I believe currently I, I'm tired of losing to that Tiger <laughs> you you had your chance to mail him to Siberia, back to home, back to the homeland. <laughs> you had your chance. I I need to give a Boris update real quick. He did arrive safely this past week. We had our little camera on our doorbell, and it showed him being delivered in a little box sitting there. And then I got home, and we opened him up and put the video out there on Twitter. I should have put it out on the Patreon or something. But, uh, yeah, there's a video of, of opening the box. And your parents packed him very securely in a bunch of Auburn shakers and Auburn rags and stuff, and it was really, really cool. He looked, he looked like he was in heaven. He was so happy to be in that box of Auburn orange and blue stuff. But he is back prowling around the living room with Weagle and, uh, and his new peacock buddy. Yeah, we got, our, we got our peacock before he got home. So now he's got his little war eagle buddy, and he's got his peacock buddy, so he's ready for basketball season. Brandon Smith, Carter Glouse, Cato the Barner, Colby Butler, Corey Smyer, Darius Benton, David Simpson, Di Bama, Hugh Anderson, Josh Teal, Kevin Canoy, Kevin Mahan, Lane Middleton, Luther, and Kelly Ottaway. Mike Finley, one more win and we're bowl eligible. Well, we may be bowl eligible without it. 
Papa Todd, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors. <laughs> yeah, all right. Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch. Remember, one time somebody's name on here was plus our one-time and anonymous donors <laughs> to make it sound. That was the best. That was so funny. Like we were like I had to stop there or something. Sasquatch, Shane Bailey, Shannon Butson, Stephen Houston, Tim Pittman, Tony Perry, Wiggle87. Oh, this is a good. I always like to do this because I, I like their thinking here. At the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram. So go to Instagram at the Mad Pe- Reaper Pepper Company. I kind of want to try their peppers now. Maybe they'll send us a free, a free bottle or something. They already support us with Patreon. We can't can't ask for anything else. But I do want to, I want to sample their wares. AJ Herman, Alex Wynn, Ben Amos, Ben Hanshu, Ben Regis, Brian Albanese, Bruce Pearl. That's nice. Buckled up, riding shotgun with Cadillac with a V8 engine, picking up hitchhikers. All right. Charles Mooney, Chris Como, Chris Braun, Colonel Dad, a.k.a. Ari Benzane. I am missing my category, Mr. Construction Tiger. I see him on uh, Twitter. I just remembered. Daniel Barnett, Daniel Witten, Darryl, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. Uh, we got to get better at celebrating. Uh, oh, and then Mark always wants me to do this, so I'm going to go with, if we pull this off on Saturday, John, I'm just going to be in the living room going, Oh, it's the worst one. This is a big one. You hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you, honey. Because. Crush your enemies. See them driven before you. And they hear the lamentation of your women. Yes. Yes. This is so good. Uh, I'll buy this for a dollar. James Taylor, Jason Weaselskull Elbrick, Jeremiah Schumann, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, Joseph Iliff, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rains, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Van John and the Barbecue. You lied to me. Yeah, well, uh, we, it's better now. Mark Squire, MVP captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. Nobody likes you. That's so not true. Paul Bankson, Royce Alvarez, everybody loves Kathy. Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland. You got to meet Kathy, didn't you? She's awesome, isn't she? I did. She is the MVP. Yes, fantastic. Spanky is the homeless guy that lives in the unisex bathroom. I wasn't aware they had a unisex bathroom at. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. Joe's Barbecue and Foot Massage. But, but, you know, I didn't know they had one. But I don't have facts to back this up. I hadn't gotten to hit that one in a while. You know a button I'm never going to have to push again, John, because we've gotten rid of the problem? So I've been hearing this phrase y'all got over here that I ain't too crazy about. It's the hope that kills you. Yeah, well, you know what? We have hope now, and it isn't killing us. Um, what kills it, What was killing us has left town. Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, thank you for my basketball book. You are welcome. The Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, Brant Rumble, Chris, plus our one-time anonymous donors. We did have another uh, patron to request a signed hardcover of the basketball book. So I'll just go ahead and once again put it out there that if you are a patron, there wasn't really like a window where you had to hurry up and order them. I'm Basically, they manufacture the hardcover version of the basketball book whenever I ask them to. So there's, it takes a while to get it. You know, what, what, what we were able to do this summer was have a bunch of them made and then send them out all at once so people didn't have to wait that long. But now if you say, I'd like a book, a basketball book, it'll be a while for them to make it and then send it to John and then send it to me and then send it to you. And it, you know, it ends up being like 37, 35, $37 or something. But if you'd like to have one and they're really nice, just 
drop me a message. That's that's no problem. We got we got uh, we have a couple on the way that are not spoken for, I believe, right now. So it's, it's like it's like thirty, it's around thirty five dollars. I can't. And and again, that's just because we love you guys. We John and I. We make a little profit off the paperbacks because paperbacks are a lot less expensive to produce. So when Amazon sells a paperback, John and I make a couple of bucks. We really don't make anything off the hardcovers. And that's not a complaint. I'm just saying we did the hardcovers to give you guys something nice and so that we could have, you know, nice copies. So, you know, I'm not pushing the hardcovers because I want to make money off of them because we don't. I'm pushing the hardcovers because I'm proud of them and I want you guys to have them if it means something to you. There you go. All right, let's see. We got to dive right on into the pick the pick'em contest with one week to go. With one week to go, Van, are you interested in the update about the pick'em contest? Well, I know I lost ground, but I'm still in first place. This is true. Van is still in first place. This is true. For the rest of us. All right, with one week to go, Van's in first place at eighty and nineteen, eighty-one percent. One yes. game back is big AU fan WHB. Daniel is two games back. And then there's a group of other people, uh, three, four, five games back. I'm tied with the Whataburger Meisters <laughs> cool. at uh, 74%. And uh, I'm coming for you. Yeah. I'll If I miss everything this week, you got a shot. It might have the bowl games in it. I don't remember. Oh, anyhow, I'm not sure how it works. Okay. Coming. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I noticed that. The reason he got a, I had a two game lead last week, and the reason that he got a game closer is he actually had Arkansas beating Ole Miss. I'm like, give it up for that man because I did not have Arkansas beating Ole Miss. I thought Ole Miss would outscore him. I thought it might be sixty to fifty five, but I didn't see them. Of course, everybody missed Tennessee and everybody missed Florida losing, but uh, but the Arkansas one was the one that tripped me up because. That was where I, I missed something that he didn't. So, all right, that's cool. Um, the fantasy Formula One league we have it is over. We have a champion. Your winner for this year is Daniel O. With Scuderia Furia de pa- Scuderia Furia de Pavon, and um, Daniel was dominating this year. He's the only person to get over four thousand points. He got. I'm trying to see that the screen. It's in a little tiny. He got four thousand sixty points. So congratulations to Daniel O. I correct me if I'm wrong, Daniel. I think you were the person that was right. It may have been Eric, but one of the two of them was right on my tail last year, the whole season, and almost caught me at the end. But I did win last year. But Daniel got the winner, got the win this year. Eric's two teams are in second and third. That is Scuderia Pescegato and Scuderia Aquila de Guerra. I'm not Italian. I, I do follow the Italian national soccer team, but I can't speak Italian too well. Uh, number four was Team 2 from Royce. Number five was John. Congratulations, John, for coming in top five. That's a, you get some good constructor points and some of that developmental money for next year and our fantasy send, money. Yeah, send that constructor cash my way. Man. There you go. You get some of that Alpine <laughs> money from uh, for finishing like fifth. Uh, and and the interesting thing too is that John was behind Alexandra Ringer, his daughter, all season, but he caught her at the end. Let's see how many how many how close the points were. Uh, yeah. Oh wow, you beat Alexandra's top team by five points. <laughs> you had three thousand eight hundred and twelve, and she had three thousand eight hundred and seven. So it was like I don't know who's on your team, but it was like one. 
seventh place finish by Pierre Gasly uh, was the difference between the two of you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. There you go. Alexandra also had the number seven team, so she got six and seven. Congratulations, Alexandra, for two top ten finishes this year. That was in her first year. I My Blue Eagle Racing team's number eight. And honestly, I thought I had a good team. I can't figure out how I ended up 340-odd points behind first place, but there we are. And then number nine was Royce, his other team, and number 10 was Daniel O's other team. So there you go. And everybody else is down to 26. So there was your Fantasy Formula One League for this year. We appreciate you guys for playing. I'm always excited when a lot of people want to play that because I know it has a kind of a limited appeal, but it's growing. You know, when we first started doing it, it wasn't something you were that excited about, but you've kind of gotten into it the last couple of years, which has been exciting. And Alexandra's gotten into it, and we've gotten several several of the patrons that are into it. And it's cool. So, all right, poor Alan's not even the top ten. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell him. It'll just hurt. It'll just make him sad. I won't tell him. Again, a guy that knows ten times more <laughs> about the sport than I do. It's funny. Does Alan knows more about it than the rest of us all put together, and he still didn't make the top ten. So, it's just weird. Um, the World Cup Pick'em has just started, so I don't know where the standings are right now. I think... I know yeah, I, I, so I'm going to give you a quick update, but the, what I wanted to say is I set the league up knowing we wouldn't you know, say it on the podcast until tonight. If you're a patron mm-hmm. and you have not joined yet, send an email to aewishbone at gmail.com, and I'll make sure that you get in. Um, but I think uh, there's a bunch of people tied with five points at the top, including Boris the Tiger. <sighs> And uh, Auburn Elvis's team, which is called Some Kind of Doomsday Machine. Yeah. <laughs> and then two other people, including uh, Marilyn Aub and somebody who named their team, team Run to Ball and Kick It, which I appreciate. <laughs> That's good. Hey, I got instructions with them, team. That's good. Yeah. I, I appreciate uh, Aubice. A U B I E C E named their team Russian number one or Rand number one. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. My. My little, uh, uh, what do you call it? avatar on it is Iron Shake. So there you go. Um, <coughs> sorry, I'm coughing. I'm trying. Right, I'm trying is to it time for guess the game. I'm I'm just looking to make sure we've covered everything. I think we've covered everything. We had a lot of we had a lot of games kind of ending or beginning. So yeah, let's hit guess the game from Jared. Bring it on. And John, the rest of the A.E. Wishbone family. This is Jared Albrecht, the art sale artist here with Guess the Game number 71. Guess the Game 71 is brought to you by listener Bob Salmon, so let's listen to what Bob sent in. Here's the second down play for from the Auburn 11. Six-man rush. Going to throw in the end zone. Passes intercepted right over the 10 to the 15 to the 20. He's at the 30. He's at the 40. Giving chases. Long catches to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. He is gone. 95. Okay, guys, I will see you in the hint file. All right, a 95-yard interception return. A lot, of, uh, a lot of crowd noise, so a home game. The, uh, the announcer was. <laughs> this is going to be one of those where I think I know what it is immediately, but I'm either like totally right and it's a slam dunk, or I drag you down. What was it that Jared said? I drag you down the path. Down the path. The announcer was. Five. Which means up till up till up through two thousand two, eighty one through two thousand two. So could have been Florida game ninety three. 
I don't think that in the LSU interception game had a 95 yarder. Yeah, I, I feel like those were all 50, about 50 yeah, to 30 to 50 yards. Yeah. So I, I think my my. I mean, the other again, if it was a different announcer, I'd have said, you know, Iron Bowl 2019. Yes. Yes. But it wasn't the, the, because it was the the butt interception. Yeah, because it was twenty. Because it was five. I want to say it's Florida, nineteen ninety-three. Yeah, is I, that what you think, or you think? I, I think it is. I think it was Calvin Jackson intercepting Werfel. The only thing makes me hesitate, and because I was actually the GTA for that for his class. So Calvin Jackson was like one of my students technically that year. I was a GT, I was a graduate teaching assistant. In one of his classes, well, I, hope, I hope you passed him. Oh, I, well, he he dropped. He he quit coming to class, like a lot, a lot of them okay. did back in the eighties and nineties. But but um, but so you yeah, did. huh? <laughs> you did. But he pass kept him. he kept playing. Yeah. Um, weird how that worked. Um, but no, I the only thing that makes me hesitate, and, and if if we hear Calvin Jackson, if we hear Danny Werfel's name, I think it's Danny Werfel. They had to ble- that Jared beeps out. Uh, the only thing that makes me hesitate is I thought it was in the end zone. I thought it was a hundred yards. I thought he caught that in the end zone because the circumstances of that play were that Florida had already gone up 10 to nothing, right? They had beaten our brains out the previous year, 92, in, in Werfel's, I mean, in, uh, in 90, 91, and 92, they'd beaten our brains in. And this was Terry's first year, and they were already up 10, and we, this was in Auburn, and they were up 10 to nothing and driving to make it 17 to nothing. And if Florida had gotten up on us 17 to nothing, the game would have been yeah. over. Over, but instead, Calvin Jackson intercepted that ball, took it back, and made it made it ten to seven, and then it was on, and that was one of the best games in Auburn history in terms of a pure football game. That was one of the best yeah. games we've ever seen. A gigantic turning point play. Yes, it was. It really was. So, all right, let's go ahead and hear the hint and see. Again, if you hear Calvin Jackson, you hear Danny Werfel, you're going to know that we have it right. Now let's get rid of those bleeps and give it another listen. Here's the second down play for Werfel from the Auburn eleven. Six-man rush. Werfel's going to throw in the end zone. Pass is intercepted right over to the 10, to the 15, to the 20. He's at the 30. He's at the 40. Digging chases. Werfel walk catches to the 30, to the 20, to the 10. He is gone. 95 yards. Touchdown, Auburn! Calvin Jackson! There it is. There we go. I will see you guys in the answer file. All right, we got it. Good deal. I didn't pull you down the dark path this time. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad All right, John you Van, if you guys figured yourself. out this is Auburn playing Florida in 1993, then you are victorious, and I suspect that you were. I want to thank Bob Sammons for sending that in. If you want to be like Bob and send in a suggestion for Guess the Game, you can hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Yard Sale Artist, or you can email me directly at... Jared, that's J-A-R-R-O-D, at theyardsaleartist.com. Until next time, folks, Boy. And also, Jared sent in this file after our uh, book signing. So, And while I've got the mic, I want to give a special shout-out and thanks to everybody who stopped by to see us at the bookstore for the signing of the books or just to say hi or just to meet the listeners of the show. That was super cool. Thank you, John and Van for including me in that. That was a very special time. So again, thank you to everybody who stopped by to include Logan Chilton's perfect, perfect hair. <laughs> Jared's always got to go there at the end. No, that was really cool, Jared, to say that. Because, yeah, it was. That was a highlight. For me, that was a highlight of my life for me up there, just to get to see everybody and them all come out and grab copies, and we just blew through was- a gigantic pile of books. That was awesome. 
And again, the people that came back and said ten more years. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Several people said you got to every one of you said you got to know you got to get John's contract ironed out and make sure he's in for the ten years and 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 I was glad Jerry could be there with us because he contributed those wonderful illustrations to the football book and he um, he absolutely deserved to be part of it I'm glad he was um, all right I guess that takes us to our last couple of segments uh, where I had to ask Mira to step in here and thank you order questions to the Prime Minister. It's time for listener questions. Dun, 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 on the AU Wishbone Podcast. All right, what we got this week? All right, we got a few questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. First question is from Tim Sauls, who says, Hey, guys, War Eagle, I got the basketball book, and I'm excited to start it. I would like you all to compare and contrast the Auburn fit between Lane Kiffin and Bruce Pearl before Bruce accepted the job fit starting with baggage and such love the a wishbone tim Sauls. thank you tim no i that's i think that's a legitimate point if you had asked me see that's the thing is that when things are okay we don't want to take a big risk auburn goes the old safe boring route if this was 2020 Mm. again we'd be hiring jeff grimes but when you're like man we got to do something bold you know then you're willing to hire lane kiffin i in 2020 i was not willing to hire lane kiffin i'm like no nah, i don't want him um but it's a good point about bruce if if auburn basketball was pretty darn good right if we'd been going to the ncaa tournament every other year you know maybe making the sweet 16 every other year and then you'd said we're going to go out and hire Bruce Pearl in 2014. I'd have been like, oh, I don't know about that, right? But when you're where we were in 2014, you're like, yes, yes, that's fine. It can't, you know, if it works, you're a genius. And if it doesn't work, how much worse could it be, right? So that's kind but of where also, we are. A person with some baggage who had proven mm-hmm. they could do the job yes. in the SEC. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And he had, right. And and again, if you want to if you want to fully understand Bruce's baggage, we have like a whole chapter on the controversies. Just I thought it was very important to thoroughly research all the controversies about him and lay out exactly what happened and then say, You decide how bad this is, right? And I didn't and you and I have our commentary in there where we're like, it wasn't that bad. It's been blown way out of proportion. There's a couple of things he did that were that he immediately said, yeah, I really shouldn't have done that, and I'm, I've learned my lesson. And I totally believe him, right? Because he suffered the consequences. Of course he learned, yeah. Um, okay, what else we got? That was good. All right, next question is from Sammy Salvatore, who says, uh, hello, guys in War Eagle. Hungry had some Bama fans today, and they were talking during the Tennessee-South Carolina game saying Tennessee just peaked for us because that's weird for Alabama. Why do Alabama fans act like they're the freaking king of college football? Because they think they are. They have short memories, unlike other elephants, and they <laughs> and they uh, they they've always thought they were God's gift to football. And um, yeah, like we were talking about a while ago. I mean, we kind of covered this a little while ago with the way that the dude was acting on Twitter. So yeah. All right. The next question is from Paul Perkins, who says, Hey, guys, I meant to email last week and tell you how awesome it was meeting you all. Oh. It was nice to finally shake hands. Yes. Now on to my heart. I can't okay. begin to guess who our next coach might be. So much speculation. But my heart screams, let it be Cadillac. Even <laughs> if it's short term, just for the chance. I know Auburn is the best opening in college ball right now. But damn it, 
we need that hard fighting soldier on the battlefield. My logical brain knows it probably won't happen, but again, my heart screams Cadillac. War damn eagle, what say you two? You know, the two things I did not foresee, and I look back now, and I guess it was just I was so caught up in the moment and in the bigger picture that I didn't really process it. I remember thinking, and we talked about this a couple of times, I remember saying, you know, it'll either be Cadillac or it'll be uh, Zach Etheridge, and it'll probably be Mm -hmm. Etheridge because he has more experience. And his title was associate head coach. Absolutely right. He was higher ranking, theoretically. So when they named Cadillac, the coach, my immediate instant reaction was, huh, okay, well, that'll be interesting. I didn't expect that. I should have realized that the reaction would go beyond that because we know Cadillac, but we just hadn't seen him. We hadn't seen his personality in effect in a long time. You know, he's been kind of on the sidelines, do his nose, his head down, doing his job, working hard. And so it just kind of eluded me a little bit what that was going to mean. And the number two thing we missed was then when that happens, what's going to happen is the Auburn family is going to fall in love with him. And that's wonderful, 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 and problematic as hell. Because if you, if you, if you love Cadillac, you want him to be the head coach, but if you love Auburn and want what's best for Auburn you real and you love Cadillac and want what's best for Cadillac you also realize don't throw him into the deep end of the swimming pool before he's ever swam before he's a swimmer that's had his toes in the water for the last three or four years at most and you're saying chuck him in the deep end let's just see if he swims because it'll be glorious if he swims like uh like Michael Phelps and I'm over here going or he could drown and I don't want to see him drown I'd like to let him Amen. I'd Amen. like to I'd like to put him in the practice pool, get him a few laps, get him acclimated to the water. I don't want to chuck him to the wolves on on the on day one. I don't want to fire him. And I do agree that fear of firing him should not be what keeps us from hiring no. him. But it's not. No. What keeps no. me from wanting to hire him is I want him to be prepared to do the job. I don't think it's a disrespect to Cadillac Williams to say I want him to be prepared to do a good job. He's been running off of emotion and the core of who and what he is, and that is a burning nuclear reactor of Auburn power and energy, and that is awesome, but that is not an administrator, and we need somebody that can do all those things and hit the ground running on day one. I would love to see him grow into that, but I think if you ask him, I don't, I mean, he would probably, if you, if you went to Cadillac, and this is, I don't know, but if you went to Cadillac, I suspect he would say, you know, if you need me to do the job, I will give it everything I have. But he would probably also say, I probably need more practice, you know what I mean, before I jump in the deep end. I, I, I don't think that should be a controversial position, and it's certainly not an anti-Cadillac position. I feel no. like that is a pro-Cadillac no. position. It is because you care about him and you want him to be successful in uh, yes. his career. So, yes, I, I I agree with everything you just said. All okay, right. all right, thank God. However, 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 if, however, 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 if we beat Alabama, oh God, with him as coach, I'm just saying I'm gonna be on Paula's side here. Okay, and if we beat Alabama with him as coach. I'm pushing his name to the top of the list ahead of Kiffer and everybody else. That's my my. This is what my heart is going to say at that moment. Yeah, I think no. I think a lot of people are going to feel that way. I just 
And I'm not saying it's the rational decision, and I'm a very rational, calculating person about this stuff, but that's what I'm going to say. It just, I, okay. I, you know, I, I mean, we could, we could follow this down the rat yeah. hole, and we I just don't, don't really again, want to. But again, we don't have to, we don't have yeah. to because it's a if then thing. Yeah, exactly. Right, we got a few more emails. This is from Bill Miner, who says, the, the title of this is Thanksgiving. He says, guys, since your podcast is called the AU Wishbone, and many of us eat turkey at Thanksgiving, and they have wishbones. <laughs> is this true? So what one item above all options would you wish to come true on behalf of the football team between today and spring practice? To me, I'd like to beat Alabama this weekend. It would be just delicious victory to savor that I could be happy whatever the future may hold, Bill. Yeah. Well, of course. That's I mean, beating Alabama – is right up in our top list of uh, objectives every year at everything, for sure. Um, I, I just want the program to get stabilized and be on the right track toward becoming a, a relevant, dominant, top 20 team again. That's what I really want. Amen. Um, the next question is from Kyle Coburn, who says, how many more games would Auburn have won this year with this heavy run attack? Yeah. Can't help but think LSU and a few others would yes. have had a different outcome. Oh, yeah. I Now, see, the thing is, the, 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 the scores that we did score in LSU were because of the passing game mostly. But if we'd had this running game, we could have maybe kept them off the field more. Maybe we could have still scored 17 or whatever, but I think we could have held them below 21. They were not moving the ball very well on us until late. So, yeah, I, I do feel like the LSU game – Excuse me, I took out the hiccups. I do feel like the LSU game was there for us to win if we could have just taken it, mm-hmm. and we didn't. We we didn't. We chose not to take it, unfortunately. But, but I again, agree. I think if we had run this kind of offense, we'd have won the two or three other games. So yes, but um, maybe the Ole Miss game. But then again, the the Missouri game remains inexplicable. So I don't. I don't even know. I don't even know what to say about that game. I, that's one of those. I want to burn all the recordings of it and just pretend like it never happened. And just say yes, we beat Missouri under mysterious circumstances that nobody remembers anymore. Drive on. All right. A couple more questions. This is from Rusty Owens, who says, uh, good afternoon, gentlemen, and happy Alabama hate week. Yes. I'm preparing a watch list of the top five Iron Bowls for this week, and I'm wondering what yours would be. He says, mine in reverse <coughs> order would be 1989, the Fair. only one on the list that he actually attended, 2019, yeah. um, 2002, days after my oldest daughter was born in the beginning of the streak, 2013, the kick six, and sure. 2010, the comeback. And there's just so many. I mean, all the ones he listed are great, but I mean, 82, bow over the top, down to the last play. Um, 86, reverse to victory with Lawyer. Um, 93 with the the big run by Bostic at the end. Wasn't it Bostic? Um, 97 with the Sism fumble and the field goal to put us in the SEC championship game. Um, that, there's just a uh, 2005 honk if you sack Brody. I'm I was going to go- say, that one, I, I'm going to be honest, I was at that game and that was... An incredibly fun game. Oh, yeah. 2017, the kick-ass. I mean, so there's just so many, but I, I like his list. Sure. I mean, probably the the least exciting one of the ones that he named was 2002, but even that, that was the Trey Smith game, everybody remembers. But that was a big upset. It, yeah. It's not a fun game to watch, but it was an exciting game because we were playing a you know, 
fifth string running back, and nobody yeah. thought we were going to win that game. No, nobody thought we were going to. Again, nobody thought we were going to win that game in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I'm uh-huh. going to be honest. I I love the 2010 game, but it's hard for me to watch. Oh Lord! Um, I no. You know, you always you <laughs> describe it as the being handcuffed to a bomb thing, and that game was being handcuffed to a bomb in a real bad way. So. Yeah, I haven't gotten to mention that in a while, but that's kind of one of my more famous quotes that gets quoted around Twitter and stuff every, all the time is I say that there's there are football games that are fun to watch, <clears throat> but the Iron Bowl is like being handcuffed to a bomb for three hours. So it's like there's tension, but it's tension like I don't want to die and it could happen at any moment. So that's absolutely true. I mean, but the, yeah, the, but the 2010 Iron Bowl is the one where I was like Googling the most painless ways to commit suicide halfway through the game, you know. So it's not fun to watch at all. I, I enjoy the second half of it. Yeah. All right. Any other questions? Uh, yeah, almost done. Uh, this, is from, uh, this is from Doc Crackham who says, uh, first and foremost, can we get a Cam Riley tackle update? Uh, <laughs> I kind of lost track he says, of it. He's up, he says – He's up to 33 tackles. I saw him over the field on Saturday. Second, I believe, if I remember correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember hearing Van say Jarquez Hunter could only be successful at a lower-level school. Yeah. If this was the case, then why was he more efficient on the ground than Tank? Mm-hmm. Um, he has been third, all season pretty much. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's absolutely true. true. I'm I first to admit, yeah, no doubt. And he says, what is it about this staff that they could draw more effective run plays than the so-called offensive genius that was Harson? <laughs> yeah, well, I think that question answers itself because Harson well, is not a— Well, I think it's not just Harson. I think he had a you know kind of an unqualified person serving as offensive coordinator who ran a bunch of basically straight-ahead kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. we're doing some more misdirection stuff now, and it's keeping other teams off balance. We're doing stuff that gives the offensive line and the running back chances to be successful beyond just block your man. Well, but also I think the under under Harson and our former OC, there was a lot of yet yeah, it doesn't matter what we're good at or not, we're gonna run this offense. Mm-hmm. You're gonna go here and throw the ball yeah. thirty times a yeah. game and that kind of stuff. You you can't do that. I mean you can't you have to be flexible in this day and age. You can't come in and say, I have this sophisticated offense. I'm gonna install it regardless of players. I'm not gonna recruit and then we're just going to do that because you're going to lose and you're going to lose the confidence of the fans. You're going to lose the confidence of administration. And you're going to be gone before you ever get to do it. You can't. That's right. And this is the exact same question basically from, from Jay Noll who says, do you think Tank will have a Trey Mason effort to make the 1,000 yards of uh, the season against Bama? Mm. No chance it would have happened without Caddy taking over. How was our rushing ever this bad under Harson? That's just such a good question. What? I mean, how many yards does Tank have? I don't know. But – <clears throat> but that's an excellent reference, though. I, I give – I didn't catch the name, but I give them credit because, yeah, Trey Mason came into the Iron Bowl in the the infamous 2012, John, our premier season. Uh, and at the time, we didn't know that it was that big of a deal. But he came in with like 900 yards, and he got 100 yards against Alabama that year, and he got 1,000 yards for the season. And it kept our streak, which is a record. Tank has 907. It's doable. I don't know, but it's doable. We'll see. All right. Last question from Rick Harper, who says, Hey, guys, what's the record for most schools at which someone has been a head coach? Um, offhand, I have uh, Tuberville 2, Bear Bryant 2, Kiffin 2, Spurrier 2, Mullen 2, 
Uh, I guess he's asking specifically about SEC schools. I mean, I want to be clear. Wayne Kiffin has been the head coach at USC, Southern. Tennessee. Well, again, he's the head. Who's the head coach at? He was again. He was the offensive coordinator at USC. Yeah. Then he was the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. That's right. Then the head coach of Tennessee. Then the head coach of USC. Then he was the, worked at Alabama's offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Then the head coach at Florida Atlantic. Then the head coach at Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Because Tuberville was coach of Cincinnati and Texas Tech after he was head coach at Ole Miss and Auburn. So there were four. But so this is clearly just SEC. So yeah, yeah Kiffin would be. This would be what the. Uh, this would be what his third Tennessee Ole yeah, Miss. Because he was Tennessee Ole Miss, and I, and I think that's maybe the, that's up there. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. So, all right, you want to take a trip? Let's do it. Let's take a trip around the SEC. All right, well, um, I saw that Texas A&M hosted a closed practice against uh, UMass. (laughs) A scrimmage. Yeah, a closed practice scrimmage. They didn't let anybody in, obviously, because they didn't want people to see what they're up to. Uh, At least it looked that way by the fact that there was nobody in the stadium. Wow. Oh, Lord. M.T. Can you imagine how A&M must feel knowing that they everything that they have, all their money they love to talk about, all their fan support, all their great five-star players, and we have a better record than they do. We beat them head-to-head, and we're, in, we're having fun and filling up our stadium, and they are dead, dead, dead. I thought they were the 12th man, man. I thought they did. Well, that's how many people were in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, boy. <laughs> that one just came right out floating over the plate, didn't it? That was, I couldn't ask Shot for better. Shot was there and he took it. You alley That was the alley-oop, John. Thank you for the assist on that. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. You toss that up there like Wendell or something. Um, all right. What the heck Vanderbilt? I, they're just going to have to like have the Vandy guy on SEC shorts just keep wearing the crown and the cape from now on. Again, Florida, again, Vanderbilt has gotten better and better and better. It's good coaching. They're they're doing things the right way. Florida absolutely handed it on a platter to them. They fumbled the punt into the end zone. They had like, like 15 penalties. A bunch of other bad stuff happened. But Vanderbilt was there, and they took it, and they yeah. took advantage of it. And again, they beat Florida. They won two SEC games in a row. They're not an absolute doormat. And I know Florida fans want to fire Billy Napier right now. Yeah, and hire Clark Lee. I don't know if they want that, but again, they're not the only fan base that you know was incredibly unhappy over the, in the SEC East. So they're already everybody d- thinks they're jumping up to second, and it didn't so, happen. So they're already done with with. Uh... With Napier, surely not. Surely they're like, give him a, some time to build, and right? Most rational fans are, are <laughs> rational. But again, you understand this. Can't lose to Vanderbilt. The, well, I know. Okay? That's, that's true. This is, um, I think every time we've lost to Vanderbilt, we fired our coach. This is the, um, this is not the same situation as Harson because Napier is actually, I would assume, out actually recruiting and giving a crap, right? He's yes. actually and, attempting and, to build a better team. And here's another one. Mm-hmm. Before the season, Napier told them we're a long way from from being a, a you know a, a competing yeah. for the SEC here. We got year, well, years of building to get back to that place. Well, they better accept that, and I'll we'll be watching to see what he does. 
Georgia beat Kentucky, but only 16-6. to Was Kentucky just able to kind of shut the I, – I can't figure Georgia out. They play well, down again, to everybody. They do, but again, a lot of what's happened in the SEC this year is home and road. Yeah. Georgia – uh, Georgia on the road, sixteen to six at Kentucky, and they barely beat Missouri on the road. Too. They sure did. That's right. That's so strange. So, all right. Well, hold on. All right. We got two coming up here. I don't know what to do with this. I went to the movies to see Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. I come out of the theater and my phone is blowing up. <laughs> South Carolina sixty-three. Tennessee 38, and frankly, Tennessee was lucky to have the 38. I did go back and watch the highlights. What the heck happened here? Well, it was at South Carolina, and their offense came out and absolutely on fire. Again, that transfer quarterback we talked about, Rattler, had been kind of blah all season. I think he had, like, coming into this game, he had, like, seven touchdowns and six interceptions, and I think he had six touchdowns in this game. In this game, They had scored touchdowns, like, on their first six or seven possessions. Again, Tennessee's defense is not great. Okay, they have been kind of blah all year. The offense has been great, and the defense hasn't been great. But South Carolina chewed them up and spit them out, and then the Tennessee offense couldn't catch up. And then at the end of the game, Hendon Hooker got hurt. He's out for the mm, year now. It's unbelievable. Over. Took so, away their playoff. I, took away their win. I, took away their Heisman. I, again, I the the Tennessee playoff thing was a little bit of a mirage. Okay, let's be clear. They they're not that good, and this game kind of proves it. And, and I think their fans are all like it was a sham. Or, but, again, they were like a 6-6 six and six team last year, and they got to this level. It's good coaching. They're better. They're on the way up. I, you know, they should be happy. But I think Ask LSU. A, but I want to be clear. A week ago, one week ago at this moment, Florida beat the crap out of, LSU, out of South Carolina, and yes. South Carolina fans were ready to dump Beamer and Rattler both. Yeah. Well, I did a, I did the transitive thing where I started with South Carolina and like Missouri or whatever and went all the way around the entire SEC and came back to this game. I mean, it's everybody it's not just that everybody has beaten everybody else, it's that everybody has beaten everybody else by like 24. Yes. It's so weird. I can't remember another season like this. But it's also a, again, it, there's a whole bunch of teams in the middle that are close to each other. And when they're yeah. home and when they're right, they can mm. lay the wood to people. They go on the road or they have an off week and it's you're losing to Vanderbilt. So, uh, And then speaking of bizarre, Arkansas beat Ole Miss 42-27. to And did I understand it was actually like much worse than that? I didn't, again, oh, was, I haven't watched was, the highlights of either one of these games. Okay. So, but I'm it was 42-6, to. to six, but I have a few things to say about this game. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, number one is... Ole Miss had two plays early in the game where they literally scored a touchdown, had a player in the end zone catch the ball and score a touchdown that were called back because of penalty. Okay, mm-hmm. Ole Miss had over 700 yards of offense in this game. Okay, and a lot of that was garbage time stuff, but there it was never Arkansas stopped them. Uh-huh. Okay, it was Ole Miss couldn't get touchdowns, especially early in the game, and Arkansas jumped on them big. Okay, so but Ole Miss's defense didn't do anything to stop it, but again, it was at Arkansas. Fans were into it; they just got run over, basically. There's that away home thing again. I did see that Kiffin had a pretty funny line where somebody asked him about being Auburn's number one choice. He said, "Well, maybe not after they see the first half of this game." So, yeah, well, uh, well, I like that he said that rather than Auburn. Who's Auburn? I'm not going anywhere, you know. So at least he, yeah. 
I feel like if there's one guy that would just like troll the crap out of us over this, it's Kiffin. So, well, and again, since since this podcast started, remember I told you at the beginning there was rumors about Kiffin. Yes, Kiffin has put out his own tweet making fun of the reporter, saying reporter transfers to local news station across town. I'm I'm reporting this; it's going to happen. He doesn't exactly have the offer, but I'm reporting he's going to go. Yeah, he, put out like a, he made his own little press release on his <laughs> iPad and tweeted that out. It's hilarious. He's amazing. Wow. All right. I want him even more now. Um, Alabama had the gall and the audacity to play Austin P and only beat him 34 to nothing. So uh, another struggle win, as they say, for Alabama. Uh, Mississippi State, East Tennessee, don't care. Missouri beat New Mexico, don't care. LSU beat UAB 41-10. LSU seems to be hitting their stride now. Coming together. It's not the same LSU team that lost to Florida State and that we almost beat. No. Not the same nope. one. They are, they are much better now. Yeah. Um, all right. So, quickly, coming up, we got the Egg Bowl Thursday night. That's always fun. Any thoughts? It'll be a good game. Good yeah. game. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, Ole Miss always wins that one lately. I've always said this is the game that the underdog always wins. Yes. It seems like every year the team that's not supposed to win wins. So, do not be surprised if Mississippi State wins this game. Do not be surprised. They started out really good this year. They kind of tailed off in the middle of the season, but they could still come back pretty strong. Um, Friday, we have Arkansas at Missouri. I have no idea what will happen there because Missouri is the most Jekyll and Hyde team ever. Florida at Florida State, an actual interesting – I mean, Florida State's been so bad for so long, this game just quit being interesting, but but maybe it'll be interesting. But they're back to being competitive, and I think they're probably better than Florida this year. Well, they're, they're ranked. Florida's not. That's it. That's right, and it's a home game for them. So. That's right. Uh, and then finally on Saturday, we have Georgia Tech at Georgia at noon or 11, South Carolina at Clemson at 11. Uh, Maybe interesting now? Could Maybe. be interesting depending on, yeah, what South Carolina shows up, and Clemson always p- kind of plays down like Alabama does. Louisville at Kentucky. I really have no idea which way that's going to go. Kentucky's another one of these teams that just don't know which team's going to show up. Yep. That's Kentucky's right. a really, really good team that can play really badly at times. But I did say they just gave their coach like a 50-year contract extension or something. I, I, they, they, I think they, they gave him Lexington and for 20 years or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think that's what you get for manslaughter in Kentucky is Lexington for 20 years. LSU at Texas A&M. All right. This game should be LSU by like 30, but a night game – at at closed practice stadium in College <laughs> Station, <laughs> that could be interesting. You, you never know, you know that that has that has freakish upset written all over it to me. Am I crazy? There's been some, there's been some weird game. There's been some weird rivalry stuff there, but yes, I. I'll be surprised if, I, if it, A&M shows, gets off the mat. I don't know. I gets off the bus. I know, but it's still. I mean. And then Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Suddenly that game's interesting, too. I was going to say, no Hendon Hooker. Vanderbilt's a little spicy. It's in Nashville. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see. Uh, what is your non-SEC game to watch this week? I think we know. It, it's going to be Michigan-Ohio State. It's noon on uh, Fox. That's the That's big right. game to watch. My other non-SEC game to watch is United States versus England on Friday. Woo! Friday, 1 o'clock Central, 2 o'clock Eastern on Fox. America has never lost to England. England is the founders of the sport. They are so revered in the sport that 12, I think they took it to us, but I, well, I mean in terms of this <laughs> in terms of the World Cup, 
we played them in 1950 and beat them one to nothing in the one of the biggest upsets of the 20th century. It's up there with the Miracle on Ice. And in 2010, we played them again and we tied them one to one in a game where they had a bunch of Premier League stars and we didn't. And Clint Dempsey put the uh, old Deuce put that ball in there. And so they are. We are. We are one zero and one against England all time in the World Cup. They have yet to beat us. But this England team looks very, as you said, spicy. They, I watched them play um, Iran. Uh, Iran today, and good lord, um, they beat them. They beat them like a drum. So um, it's going to be a challenge. And and drawing against Wales today, when we had them on the mat in the first half, was so frustrating. Because if we could have gotten th- if we could have gotten three points off of Wales today, no. which we should have done, we could have lost to England, tied Iran, and probably gone through the second round. Now we need to tie England, maybe, and we're going to have to beat Iran. If we don't beat Iran, we're done. So we, we made the job a whole lot harder. It's unfortunate. All right. Well, this isn't World Cup tonight. This is a wishbone, but we do follow all kinds of stuff. So, all right. Any final thoughts for tonight, man? I hate Alabama. You hate Alabama. I hate them. The listeners hate Alabama. We all do. There's only one way that we can leave this podcast this evening, and that's the Soviet national anthem. I gotta say, beating Alabama, Wrong! beating Alabama, Russia enemies. Yes. See them driven before you. Yes. They hear the lamentation of the women of the Ala- of the Bama women. Russia, number one. Iran, number one. Baba, number This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.